and welcome to the second edition of the Beyond the Buzzer podcast. I'm Adam Hensley. And I'm Pete Rudin. Full disclosure, this is our second time recording this podcast after the Iowa-Iowa State game because we had some technical difficulties. It has been a night, let me tell you. And now it's into the wee hours of the morning. It's about, it's 1.29 a.m. here on Friday. Central Standard Time. Yeah, it's not to be can. Let's not get that confused. It's with the Eastern or the Western yeah. or, wait, no, that's called the Pacific. We'll edit this out. We're good. Yeah, we're fine. Anyway, we're here to talk some Iowa, Iowa State hoops because a few hours ago, we were in Carver and we watched Iowa take down Iowa State 98-84. to It was an interesting game. It was very entertaining. Was. We had a little bit of everything. Like we said before, there was offense, some good defensive sequences, Some impressive performances from various players around the court. Some fights. Some fights. Little scuffles. You know what they say. What do they say? Fighting in sports is fun sometimes. (laughs) Well, I'll be. Okay. (laughs) Let's, Let's get right into this. So, Tyler Cook leads all scorers. He's got 26 points. 12 of 16 shooting. Very efficient yeah, performance. That's, that's what you want out of Cook. You can't ask for much more. And he's seven rebounds, seven offensive. Yeah. Double-double. Very solid performance all around. I think it's safe to say one of the best, if not the best, performance we've seen out of him this year. Yep. It's between Iowa State and Wisconsin, in my opinion. Also, this was the best performance we've seen out of Isaiah Moss all season. He had 20 points. Uh, 18 of those points came in the first half where that man was clicking. He was following Kobe Bryant's footsteps, but that man was throwing up heat check after heat check, and he was making shot after shot. It was very impressive. I mean, 4 or 5 from 3. He hasn't been consistent from deep or just consistent overall all season until now. He couldn't miss, whether it was a bad shot with hands in his face or just an ill-advised shot. It was going in either way. I don't know what it is about Moss playing Iowa State in Carver, but hear me out. Here's a here's a little parallel universe coincidence for you. Flashback to 2016. Iowa beats Iowa State by 14 points. Moss pretty much is Iowa's catalyst of keeping things going on offense. He has yep. 14 points. Now... This year, Iowa wins by 14 again over Iowa State at home again, and Moss has a season-high 20 points. My mind is blown. Coincidence? I think not. Nah, fam. He uh, he told me after the game, I asked him, I was like, do you, did you think you were due for a performance like you had tonight? And he said yes. He said, it's not like he's had a, a rough start to the season, but he hasn't had a game anywhere close like this. And McCaffrey said kind of the same thing that he was due for one. He said he could, he could sense it after... I was lost to Michigan State on Monday. And McCaffrey said he basically just had to get his swag back, word for word. And that's what Moss did. That's exactly what he did. And it, it wasn't even just Moss. Nope. Look at guys off the bench. The bench itself scored 34 points. Compared to Iowa State's 14, that's a plus 20 scoring advantage. Rebounding, plus 20 for Iowa against Iowa State. 44 to 24, that's, that's- a... If you out-rebound a team by that much, there's a good chance they're going to win the game. It also limits them in transition as well. Exactly, which is one of the uh, biggest differences from what Iowa did against Wisconsin, where there was one guy, Demetrius Trice, just going off from three. But 
Iowa's advantage in rebounding kept Iowa State out of transition and kept them to shooting 26% from three, and no one really got loose. Horton Tucker dropped 21, and Shyock had 19, but no one made more than two threes, and Iowa limited them, which is something that they couldn't do against Michigan State, or Wisconsin, really. So now, Iowa's got about a, a week and a half break here until it goes to Des Moines to face Northern Iowa, in the Hy-Vee Classic. And I, we can both agree that it's much better to go on this week and a half, this eight, nine-day hiatus on a win. Oh, definitely. Huge conference builder. I, I think this game, it, I, w- I, I wouldn't, I guess, go as far as to classify it as a, a must-win, but um, I think it's a very, this could end up being a very pivotal moment yeah. in Iowa season. I mean, coming off a six-point heartbreaker against Wisconsin. Complete and then gut punch. Yep, and then a 22-point blowout at Michigan State, just a slap in the face, to come out against a solid Iowa State team that entered the game 7-1, and put up 98 on them while shooting 57% and 50% from three. You can't ask for much more. No. And so now with this break, Iowa has some time to kind of not relax, but injuries. can. This is this is the time where Iowa it can use a little bit of a break here because Iowa's kind of banged up. Mm-hmm. Against Iowa State, Joe Wieskamp started after he hurt his ankle pretty badly against Michigan State, and he was at. There was no surprises. He was a game time decision, but we said this earlier. He, I don't know if he looked himself. No, tonight. he wasn't aggressive like he he usually is when he's at his best. Yeah, and by aggressive, it's it's not like he's when when he's driving. Or just like in a rhythm, just like not afraid to shoot. That's when he's at his best. When he, he lives mm-hmm. in the corner, hitting yep. threes. But this this break will definitely help him because I think McCaffrey said it that uh, I believe it was on Wednesday during oh. availability. He said that he just wished there was more time for mm-hmm. Wieskamp's ankle to heal. Yep. It's not something serious or like season threatening at all. It's just something that needs time to heal, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what Iowa has. But another injury question mark. Cordell Pemsel made an appearance. This was probably, this was this was wild. Yeah, I mean, he had a surgery scheduled for after finals week. So in about a week or two here, he was going to be what they call under the knife. But instead of being under the knife, Cordell Pemsel shows up. And he's he's under the uniform. This, this man is. is dressed. He's ready to go. And all of a sudden you're thinking, well... What, what's going on here? He's not going to play, right? Yeah, but uh, he played, and he was pretty, uh, pretty his, his time on the court, he, uh, he made the most of his minutes, let's just say. He did give quality minutes. I mean, he, he was on the floor for, uh, for just over 15 and a half minutes, put up eight points, grabbed six rebounds, had a block shot, and did a lot of stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. He t- took a charge. Helped force a shot clock violation and even started a little skirmish at half court with Iowa State's Michael Jacobson, which gave Iowa a boost, I think. Yeah, it was, uh, you said this before, the key for Iowa really is to stay aggressive. And there's been times this year where Iowa's offense and defense, I guess, they've been aggressive, like against UConn, where UConn made a little bit of a run in the second half, but Iowa just like was aggressive, just yep. ended things. This is a different kind of aggression we saw. 
because Connor McCaffrey and Michael Jacobson were exchanging words and pencils on the ground after he took a charge, just kind of laying there. Then he sees McCaffrey and Jacobson kind of exchanging words and gets up real quick. It, it was like the the gif of the Undertaker, <laughs> where he just sits up. He went from just laying on the ground, just chilling, to all of a sudden like I have my I have my teammates back. Him and Jacobson were getting into it. It was from there though. There was it was there was a different like sense to the game, especially mm-hmm. with Penzel in there. Yep. And I mean, how wasn't the only fight of a, a night though? No, end of the game when Connor McCaffrey's holding the ball. Iowa State had just scored. Iowa inbounds it. McCaffrey gets it. He just stands there, doesn't even dribble. I don't think. And then right as the buzzer's going off, Jacobson smacks the ball out of his hands. They exchange words, and absolute chaos ensues. It was fantastic. The uh, band's playing. The Spirit squads going everywhere. We got flags running around the court. <laughs> the IOWA fans are cheering, but then Band they start playing like, in heaven. There is no beer. You've got Tyler Cook and Chrome trying to separate guys. You, you got, got one of Iowa's assistants screaming at Chrome, "Get your hands off my my player!" and all this that's stuff. That's what Chrome like, said. Yeah. yeah, allegedly that's what was said. Um, it was just uh, it was just madness, malice at Carver. Yeah. It was wild. I was, uh, and as the, as Chrome and the rest of Iowa State, they're all going to the tunnel. Rain of booze comes down. Cook's like pumping up the crowd with a huge smile on his face. That's another thing. I got loud. I wouldn't shake hands with Iowa State after the game. No. McCaffrey. McCaffrey said it was the smart thing to do was just to get off the court. It was funny when he was answering that question, uh, he shot it down right away because someone was asked, they were like, well, about not shaking hands. He was like, no, no, no. And then paused and then was whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, whoa, whoa, no, we don't need to. And then was like, then he explained it and he was just like, well, it was the right decision. Yeah. Which, do you think it was? I mean, I don't know what would have happened if they stayed on the court. I mean, the a crowd was wild already. I mean, it got rowdy in there real yeah. quick. The boos were loud, especially when I was staying in promo walking off the court. When uh, things got chippy, it was. Carver was electric tonight. Yeah, and just Pemsel said after the, a game that this was a game where where they needed energy, and they got it. He said they uh, couldn't come out slow, which they didn't, and they needed to put on a show for the fans pretty much, and that's exactly what they did. He said he thinks they did a pretty good job of controlling their energy for the most part. Yeah, that's that's true, um, but I, I think when you're talking about the crowd getting into it, like the crowd got into it when Pemsel was in the game. Oh yeah, Pemsel, like stuff like you said that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Pemsel provided this new. Um, this isn't a slight to Iowa without him, but there was like this new sense of kind of like bad boy swagger on the yep. court. Tonight. I mean, Pemsel's all in green earth. They're the bad boys of Iowa basketball. Yeah, that's what they they've called themselves. They they figure themselves as the bad boys. And I, I said after, like, Pemsel kind of plays with the embodiment of Dennis Rodman, but a bigger guy than yep. Rodman was. I mean, Pete over here, Pete's got a conspiracy theory. I do. It Fire seems away. like It seems like once a semester, I always have a conspiracy theory about an Iowa sport, whether it's baseball or basketball <laughs> or anything. Anyways, my conspiracy theory was Fran McCaffrey – Played Cordell Pemsel just to get under Michael Jacobson's skin and get him ejected. And obviously that didn't happen, but Jacobson did get a tech 
And Pendulum and, and Connor McCaffrey did too. Are we going to call this the Jacobson rules? <laughs> the Jacobson rules. Just like Michael Jordan, just rough him up a little bit, get under his skin. I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that they... That, I mean, it worked. Uh, yeah. I guess. Speaking of conspiracies, were there two shooters involved in JFK's? Nope. One, Lee Harvey Oswald from the sixth floor, I think, of the Texas School Book Depository. Wow, that case closed on that, I'd say. Boom. Put that away. Yeah. Now, big. Big what? Guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I have, not I guess, not. it's not a conspiracy theory like Pete, but I have a, I guess, a hot take on this Friday morning at now 1.40 a.m. So who knows about Pemsel's future this season? He can either play and delay that surgery, or maybe he'll have the surgery next week. We'll find out next week when that surgery is supposed to happen, or if we hear from McCaffrey, or uh, there's availability before then. When he could be under the knife. True. Who knows if he'll be under the knife or under the uniform. So my thing is, let's say Iowa goes on a mid-season run here. Beat you and I, come home, some non-conference games, take care of some Big Ten opponents. If Iowa goes on a run here, with or without Penzel, I'm looking back at this Iowa State game and the decision, I guess a joint decision, by Frank McCaffrey and Cordell Penzel for Penzel to play could be a season-altering decision, but in a good way. Because this was one of those games where Iowa needed somebody to like step up, be aggressive, and not to say that anybody else on Iowa wouldn't have stepped up, but Penzel's just, like we said, one of those guys who kind of just kind of embodies that bad boy move. And this is such a, a key game because, one, I was coming off those two losses, a gut punch to Wisconsin and a complete blowout to Michigan State. Plus, there's about a week and a half now where I was just going to sit on this. If it was three straight losses going to Des Moines, there would be serious problems. Yep. Instead, they've got a win now, entering a few non-conference games remaining, Big Ten play. I think this could really catapult Iowa to a pretty successful start to the midseason mm-hmm. from here on out. So if Iowa goes on a run, I'm going to come back to this, look at this decision for Pemsel to play, whether or not he plays another game or not. I think this was a, a huge move in deciding the, the course of Iowa season because it's all about setting the tone early. And, you know, the Wisconsin loss hurt. It kind of looked like there was still a little bit of a hangover from that at Michigan State. Yeah. There was no hangover tonight not from Michigan State. Iowa, credit to McCaffrey and all the Hawkeyes, they flushed that loss. That was very impressive. Yeah. And just if they improved where they fell short. And I think just adding on to what you said, it was just a big night for Iowa's energy guys. Mm-hmm. Not just Pemsel, but Nicholas Bear off the bench. He dropped 14 points on 4 of 5 shooting from 3. Him and Moss combined to go 8 of 10. That's 80% from 3. Eight of Iowa's nine total threes. And he had seven rebounds. He, along with Pemsel, just kind of set that tone, got them off to a quick start when they just kind of needed a boost. Yeah, and with, with Barrett, he played 23 minutes, but it was almost as if McCaffrey was like, okay, do I want back-to-back three-pointers? If so, plug and play Barrett. Plug him in. Barrett was just hitting. We talked about this in our first podcast after the game against Pitt. But Bear is really, not really quietly, he's just developed into yeah. a solid outside game this season. He's evolved a lot. Yeah. Like, he, he was just that 
energy guy off of the bench pretty much and just making those hustle plays consistently. But he has evolved into a full-fledged shooter. Yeah, it's a long season, so who knows if this will continue. But he's no longer like, if he's open, he's shooting it. It's like he's looking for a shot before he gets the ball, which... I think he should because off the bench, he's one, he's proved this season to be one of the Iowa's better shooters off the bench. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if he has that aggression going forward and that mindset and if he continue if his shots continue to fall because McCaffrey's been raving about up until this point, he's been shooting lights out in practice. But, I mean, we've, we've heard that before with, like, Josh Oglesby. <laughs> that didn't pan out well. With that, we'll segue into our questions segment of this podcast. So... In this series, we really want you guys to submit questions. We crave these questions. Like, I go to bed thinking, I wonder what questions we're going to be asked about for our podcast. I eat these questions for breakfast. I wake up, first thing that pops into my head is, wow, what a beautiful day to ask some questions and answer questions. It's a glorious feeling. It really is. I mean, there's nothing better. So, if you've got questions, comments, preferably basketball-related, I will ask. Oh, I'm down for anything. Oh, we we will. I mean, we already touched on conspiracy theories. There's we'll, more to come here. There, there's a question. We'll get on into that's, this. That's not basketball-related. <laughs> but in the meantime, the first question is: So, Roman, one of our good pals, our coworkers, he asks, "What excited you most about tonight's game?" For me, I was pleased to see that Iowa's offense rebounded in probably the best way possible following mm-hmm. that game against Michigan State. Yep. I thought it was putting up 98 points, especially against in-state rival. 98 points, the fact that Iowa turned it over 18 times and still put up 98 points. It's insane. I, that's, uh, that's good shooting. Even if you turn it over 18 times and you still put up 98 points, you're doing something right. Yeah. So how about you, Pete? What, uh, what... Excited you, or what stood out to you the most? What impressed me was, I touched on this earlier, but Iowa held Iowa State to 26% from three, and they didn't let a dangerous team get out in transition. They absolutely cleaned up the glass, out-rebounded Iowa State 44-24, to plus 20. You're going to win a lot of games when you're plus 20. And no one guy got loose, like I said. There was no... Demetrius Trice shooter just going off. Uh, he had guys get theirs, though, but it wasn't to the point where it absolutely crushed Iowa and they couldn't do a thing to stop them. I'd agree 100% with that. Next question comes from another good pal of ours, Henry Baranowski. So, Henry, if, you, uh, if you're listening to this, which you probably will and you better. Um, good morning, Hank. Here you go. We're answering... We answer two of your questions, actually, on this podcast, so have a day, man. So the first question is, uh, what did you guys see as the Hawks' main issue in their losses to Michigan State and Wisconsin, and how did they correct that tonight against Iowa State? I think it, it was the ability to really, when Iowa needed to get a bucket, it did, and it was able to counter Iowa State's runs. Because, yes, Iowa was up by, like, 20 in the second half, but Iowa State also cut that lead to eight points. Yeah. And I was thinking flashbacks to 2015, where Iowa had that big lead and just frittered it away. But no, Iowa showed the ability to counter, and like we said, that has to do with who they were 
like the the guys on the court, obviously with like the newfound attitude, the toughness, Cordell Pemsel, guys like McBear come, coming off the bench, Cook having a great night. Regardless, I thought Cook especially when I would needed a bucket, mm-hmm. they would. There were times we talked about. They sometimes forced it into the paint when they probably should have tried yeah. to feed Cook. I mean, and that played a big role in their 18 turnovers. Yes, but you look at 12 of 16. When they were getting the ball to him on the block, he was pretty much getting whatever he wanted. Yep. And he had, what, like two, three putback dunks? Mm-hmm. Including one off his own miss. He tied it up, missed it, grabs his own rebound in midair. He's already going for the putback and just throws it down. Reminded me of Donovan Mitchell for the Jazz in the NBA where he missed a shot, I think it was in the playoffs, and just casually, casually. pulls up with one arm and just slams it back. And that was exactly what Cook did. And then Cook had that first put back, too. That had me shook, man. Johnny on the spot with uh, Moss's missile on the floater there. He, like, extended almost, I think. And then just threw down a oh, he thunderous cocked, slam. He cocked it back. He knew it was coming. And that's the thing I've been very impressed with honestly, throughout his whole time in a Hawkeye uniform, was he's always looking to clean up the glass, whether mm-hmm. it's just an offensive board or, like, going for a putback dunk. He stays aggressive, and that's exactly what Iowa needs. Mm-hmm. So is there anything you'd like to add? or Was there any issues you saw that Iowa really corrected against Iowa State? I think there was just an energy mm-hmm. tonight, like we already talked about with Pemsel and Bayer, but... Against Michigan State, especially in that second half, they were lifeless. They couldn't buy a bucket. They started the second half, one of 20 from the field. There was no chance that Iowa was going to do that against Iowa State. They bounced back in the best way possible. The energy was there. The crowd was wild. It was just exactly what they needed before this break they had. So our second question from our pal Henry, he asks, that uh, we've been covering Iowa basketball for a few years now. Is Tyler Cook the best athlete you've seen come through the program in your time here? So I was on. The, I've this is my third season covering the men's basketball team here in Iowa. I've got one year under my belt more than Pete. Mm-hmm. So, but you're also an old head. True. I'm graduating in like six months from now. Yeah. Why? Got to find a job. This is a job. True. I'll just make podcasts here at the, the Thank DI you. with you. Thank you. So, I guess to, now that we, to segue back to Henry's original <laughs> question, for me, as far as basketball, so I've, I covered Peter Jock's final year, his senior season at Iowa, and that dude was insane. Like, he was a bucket getter. When Iowa needed a shot in the middle of the wrong end of a run, he's the guy who can create spot-up shoot. Hand in the face. He can. He was an offensive. He was a nightmare for opposing defenses, pretty mm-hmm. much. Now Cook is not the same player at all. Not at all. Cook. Cook doesn't really have an outside game. Nope. But he's tried. He's a freak athletically. Oh, he's insane. He. I will to answer your question. If Harry, I could dunk like Tyler Cook and jump like that at the wreck, I would be on the court for a long time. You would. And I would win every game. I think. Oh. Okay. Bold take. You don't think if I could throw down over, like, three people that I would want it win? I don't know. Maybe. We'll have to find out. I think, for, for me, Cook is the most the most athletic player I've covered in Hawkeye basketball. I haven't seen a guy, I agree. like, 
he just looks to throw down dunks every time he can. Mm-hmm. It's he's fun to watch. Oh yeah, I agree. There aren't many players that can just throw down like these monstrous slams at will, but he does it whenever he wants. And there was tonight. It was a two on one. Joe Wieskamp and Cook. Cook is motioning for Wieskamp to just lob it up and He's let him go to work. Yeah, but Wieskamp just took it himself and threw it down. Now I got it. Casual. So we're gonna cap this off with the fourth and final question. This one was brought to us by Facebook by Diane Hensley, who's my mom. So Diane, I guess she she claims in the in the question that it was. My dad wanted to know. Let me just say, her parents are great people. Thank you. Your I parents, have met them once, but your parents are upper very, echelon. Your parents are very lovely as well. Thank you. <laughs> so, Diane Hensley comments, from your dad, dot, 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 if you were a tree, what kind would you be? So, I'm going to start off with a little backstory on this. Um, my dad badgers me with this question every time... I mentioned that I'm going to a press conference or anything. He goes, well, ask if you're going to be a tree. What tree would you be? Um, I will never ask that question. The only time it will be asked is this podcast. So, uh, But I'm here for it. Yeah. So, uh, Dad, and I guess Mom, he's, I'll let Pete answer this first, actually. We talked about this at Carver still. Yeah. Like You know your answers pretty oh, I, quick. Right off the top of my head. It's kind and, of, uh, and I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but... Honk. I th- <laughs> But I think there's some pretty good answers. IMO. All right, let's uh, rattle them off. Rattle them off? Let's hear them. Okay. So, number one. Okay. Numero uno. Just acting like this is Arbor Day. (laughs) Give it to me straight. Let's hear it. Okay. Number one, an evergreen Christmas tree. Wow. Because this is, tis the season, man. Tis the season, all right. I'm a big Christmas guy. And imagine... For a whole season, you are the man of the hour, the man of the season, the man of the year, really. And you get this visit. When when you get put up, people are so hyped. They love seeing you, man. And you're just off radiating Christmas spirit. Can't That's beat true. that. True. I mean, earlier you said it was a symbol of, or, you know, it, it like symbolizes Christmas pretty hardcore, but what about, it's, what about, I'll play, I'll play devil's advocate here. I'll be that kid in class who says, well, to play devil's advocate. What about Santa Claus, the big jolly elf from the North Pole? Dude, you get a, a visit from that man. Who wouldn't want to see Santa? I mean, kids True. literally go to the mall to sit on Santa's lap. Santa is coming to visit you. That's a complete 180, man. Parents just bring in their little kids to sit on a stranger's lap. They pay money for it. Think about that for a minute. Even. Well, it's Santa, man. Chill. True. It's not sketchy. All right. Okay. Let's hear, and then uh, answer number two. Answer number two. I would say The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. Because <laughs> imagine just giving everything you have to the people who need you the most. Imagine how good that would make you feel. Pete is pouring his heart out right now. I just want to let everyone know this. When it's cold outside, you want to be cold because you would be all warm and fuzzy from the feeling that you have from donating what you radiate all to the up, people who need you. All chopped up and thrown into the fire. You gotta do what you gotta do. For the people, man. For the culture. I would like to interject and say that Shel Silverstein looks like a pirate. <laughs> he low-key does. Like, I, 
like he's got a ship somewhere like, and he sails around. He's afraid of Davy Jones' locker. <laughs> you girl. know Patsy the pirate on Spongebob? Yes. That is probably Loki Shell Silverstein. Maybe Shell Silverstein lives a, a double life. We'll never know, I guess, yeah. unless he tells us. Is, is he alive? I, I don't know. We should look into that after this. If not, pour one out for yeah. my guy. The giving tree, where the sidewalk ends. Thank you. So. Anyways, Adam. Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll answer my uh, my parents' like pressing question of what tree would I be. I would have to go with the basic answer of an apple tree. Ooh. Basic. Hear me out. So as a as a as a youngster, picture little 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 Adam here, four little years old. Little Adam. So at my family's old house, my uncle came one time to visit, and him and I planted an apple tree in my backyard. How nice. That was nice for a few years, and then we moved. I think it was like six or something like that. I don't remember. My childhood's a blur for multiple reasons. <laughs> so then the other, I think it was this past winter or maybe the previous one before that. Anyway. So I was just like driving around one night and I was like, you know, I want to go see the old house. So I drive into the old West Des Moines area, the good old stone bridge, and uh, they cut down the tree. There's no tree in the backyard anymore. Who does that? People who hate children and trees, obviously. But I'm like, the apple apple trees are nice because like it gives up, it produces apples. And just like the giving tree, pretty much. Like true. We're on the same page, I think. Except I don't see the giving tree. Helping out with the the issue of childhood obesity in this country because Ooh, I mean an apple a day take, keeps man. the the doctor away and the cholesterol lower. That's whatever. What, that's what I've heard per oh, sources. Low key, I I don't remember the last time I had an apple. I think it was probably same. like I don't know, probably. Like mom, if summer. you're listening to this, don't get mad. Yeah, same. Like to my mom, if you're, you should plug your ears. I haven't eaten an apple yeah. since like June. Earmuffs. Put them on. <laughs> with that. I guess that's it for questions. I guess so that's it. We do want to say that we will put out an episode next week. Um, I would, like we said, Iowa plays on Saturday the fifteenth against you and I in Des Moines. We'll probably put something out maybe before then. There's plenty of stuff to talk about before then. Yep. Um, like we also said, if you've got questions, any topics you want us to discuss, basketball related or not, yep, you got some conspiracy theories you want to drop Ooh, on us. Yeah. Pete can analyze them since he's our, I guess, our conspiracy. Expert here. I mean, I'll take a crack at it. Just tweet at us at the Daily Iowan, and I'm at PD Rudin. I'm at a underscore hens eighty three. And uh, with that, it's been a pleasure talking basketball and trees. It's been real. Thanks for listening.